Whoop, whoop, whoop. So many exciting things to tell you. I'm going to keep it short and simple. Number one, my book is now free, a digital version of my book, Building Simple Habits to a Healthy Me. You can just sign up and get it for free. Number two, come and say hello on Instagram. I'm having fun on Instagram doing exciting reels. Number three, I have four amazing packages for my Positively Healthy program called Magical May exciting exciting if you want to find out more book a call and let's chat and lastly remember radiate and renew four simple habits simple but mighty habits is starting may the 15th so come and sign up for that hello and welcome to the fit and fabulous podcast with me dr Alina. I help families create easy habits and systems they love so that they can all feel fit and fabulous without having to think about it. On the podcast, we talk about all aspects of a healthy life. What we eat, my favorite med-style diet, which isn't a diet, but a way of eating, habits, exercise, emotional wellness, weight loss, research, and what the experts say. Most importantly, we talk about how to transform our lives so that we can actually do these things, take control of our health, feel fit and fabulous, and for it all to be easy and fun. You're welcome to sign up to my Healthy Family Eating Systems video, where I explain how easy my system is for providing healthy foods for my family. You can find that at drorlina.com, that's D-R-O-R-L-E-N-A.com forward slash healthy family meal plan with a little dash in between those words. If you're interested in my new program, Fit and Fabulous Family, that's launching in August, please email me at orlina at drorlina.com or reply to one of my emails to arrange a time to chat. It's going to be life and family transforming and of course, easy and fun. Now on with today's show. Hello and welcome to Fit and Fabulous with me, Dr. Orlina Kerrick. I hope that you are feeling fit and fabulous and happy September. It is the 1st of September today and here in Catalonia in Spain, it's like someone's flicked the switch. I tell you, it is just, it always astounds me that at the beginning of summer, someone turns up the thermostat and at the end of summer, they just come and turn it down. Three days ago, it was scorching hot. Now, as I go for my cycle ride at 6.30 in the morning, oh my goodness, it was cold, cold, cold. Luckily, it gets warmer through the day, so it's not going to be freezing. And I do absolutely love September. Now, a few things just before we start. I am going to be doing an easy family health boost in a few weeks. So it is going to start on September the 21st. My children don't actually go back to school until September the 14th. I know this is really late compared to the rest of the world. And it's essentially a back to school or autumnal health boost. And it's going to be super, super easy. And it's going to be about showing you that you can make changes. I always think that making changes and building on those changes is the way forwards. So that's just a shout out now. I will have more details about that next week. And also I am starting a new product, which I am also very excited about. It is a meal planning blueprint. So for those of you who feel a bit like, goodness, I want to change the way my family and I eat, but I just don't really know how, then this is the product for you because it is super simple. It just involves an hour of chatting to me and then I will get to understand your 
strengths, your weaknesses, what you want to change and think about adapting it to your family. And then I will send you a meal plan, which will include your favourites and some new suggestions. So if you are interested in that, then email me at orlina at drorlina.com. I haven't got a product page up yet. So right now I'm just starting out, seeing how it going, how it will go. Super exciting. And as ever, if you are interested in working with a coach, either for weight loss or for creating family healthy habits, so you could all feel fit and fabulous, then let me know, email me and we can chat about whether we're a good fit together. So as my children go back to school, I will be getting back to work. And by work, I mean actual work rather than just keeping the balls juggling. Today, we are talking about screen time. And I'm super excited to welcome Dr. Tara Egan, who is going to talk to us about screen time, specifically with kids. And I think everything she says applies to adults. But I see that with children, screen time can be a huge area of conflict and stress for parents. And also too much screen time is clearly not good for kids. So I think this is a really good topic to delve into whilst thinking about our family health. So let's dive right in. Hello and welcome to Fit and Fabulous with me, Dr. Alina Kerrick. I hope that you are feeling fabulous. Today we are talking about screen time and you may think, what's that got to do with health? But it is a really important part of our children's health and our health, our mental well-being and our emotional well-being. And I'm really excited to welcome Tara to come and talk to us. And she's going to tell us a little bit about herself first. So Tara, thank you so much for being with us here today. Thank you for having me. I will tell you a little bit about myself. Um, my name is Dr. Tara Egan, and I live in North Carolina, in the United States, and I'm a child and adolescent therapist. I used to be a school psychologist, so I worked a long time in this, with the school district. And then about 10 years ago, I opened a private practice called Charlotte Parent Coaching, and now I work with parents and kids. I do some parent coaching. I do therapy with children. and incorporating information about appropriate use of technology and social media, it comes up so much in my work. So it's become a passion of mine to really make sure that parents have access to information that will be helpful when it comes to educating their kids about how to use it in a really healthy way. Fabulous. Thank you so much for being here. And I think for me, it's one of these things that is a really interesting topic because I think technology has changed so much from when we were kids. It's not something that we can just go, oh, we'll just do what our parents did. When I was little, there was only about an hour of children's TV a day. So there was that natural limit, whereas now we have technology 24-7. So I think things are really different. And I really appreciate your help in coming to help us. So to start with, I think we know quite a lot of the benefits of technology, but perhaps you could just walk us through some of the benefits because technology isn't all bad, is it? No, there's a lot of fabulous things about technology. Some of the things that I like to highlight with parents is the access to information. I mean, the world is so much more at our fingertips now in that we can communicate with um, other people from other countries. We can get access to news sources very easily we can just take that minute and explore something by putting it into Google. I know I'm a big reader 
And a lot of times I really enjoy reading stories from where the characters are from other countries and other cultures. And so every night as I'm reading, I sit there and I can Google that country and figure out like, what's their you know religion? What language do they speak? Where in the world are they? And I encourage my kids to do those things too. And so when we were kids, it was like you brought out your dusty encyclopedia and it might be 10 years old and you just didn't have the updated information. Now we're able to access news stories and really explore a lot of communication with other people. And that brings me to my second point, which is the socialization piece. There is such an opportunity for people who have shared interests to connect without having to have the proximity. And, you know, it used to be where our kids were just friends with the people who live next door, maybe the kids they saw in school. And even then, it might be hard to connect during summer break because they didn't even know, we didn't even know each other's phone numbers. And now kids can really collaborate on assignments. Um, you know, they can bond over a shared interest in softball or technology or or whatever is their interest, I know that a lot of adults get support where they connect with people online about being pregnant or a family member who has an illness or they're involved in some sort of Facebook knitting club or book club. And it really gives an opportunity for us to be more connected. And so I think making sure that kids have access to that and learn how to use, you know, take advantage of those benefits is really important. And it's part of our parenting world right now. Yes. And I think particularly in this extraordinary times of COVID illness, it's mm-hmm. been amazing for people to have that connection with schools and all those resources of doing different things. So exercises, dancing, and so much variety of things, you know, learning different languages or learning to play a musical instrument, um, learning photography, learning whatever you want. It's just absolutely amazing. But one of the things that I see with my children And I have four children who are aged between seven and 12 and they love technology and they almost get to this stage of, you know, they'll come to me and say, oh, can I have screen time? And we have quite strict rules about screen time, but it's almost as if they're bored and they just want to be entertained. And they say, oh, mommy, there's nothing to do. And I list about 10 things, read a book, play a game, do some dancing. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, no, I can't possibly do any of those things. And I think one of my concerns is that they just want to be entertained and they don't then use any of that creative energy within themselves. So can we talk a little bit about the downside, the dangers that technology can pose? Well, I think one of the primary things that parents see is their kids have a really intense need for immediate gratification. Because with technology, there's entertainment at your fingertips, whether you're standing in line or you can't sleep at night or you're waiting for dinner to be presented at the table, like whatever it is, and kids feel very entitled to have that constant stimulation. And there is a component of technology, you know, video games, social media apps, where it really does trigger that sense of euphoria in our brain. So when we get that that rush of pleasure, when we have access to constant YouTube videos or being able to flick through um, Instagram or Snapchat, it's really reinforcing. And so kids' ability to tolerate being bored starts to go down. And we even see, and this is, is something I'm seeing in my work a lot, where kids are so used to looking at the brief videos that are presented on YouTube, TikTok, 
even Snapchat, where actually kids' tolerance for longer television shows and movies is really limited. So families, parents will say, well, on Friday night, we do a movie night. And kids are sitting there and they find even the lengthy movie, the hour and a half movie, feels too long and they feel very impatient because there's a slow build to the climax in the movie. The character development is more, uh, oftentimes more emotionally, you know, there's more depth to it. And kids can have a lower tolerance to even that type of media because they're so used to flicking from one video to the next. So that's something I really encourage parents to be protective of because kids really do benefit from having a delay of gratification, being able to sustain attention, being able to persist with activities that are boring or unappealing. And we're seeing that kids are really struggling with that. And what about children being sedentary as well? I've heard stories, particularly when we were in lockdown, of children just sitting on the sofa playing games for hours on end. And obviously that has a a consequence of not getting up and moving around and moving their bodies. Absolutely. We do know that kids get less exercise because they are not, they're, they're looking for that activity or that stimulation through virtual activities. And sometimes kids can get really disappointed when they're playing a video game and on the video game, they're a really great baseball player. And then mom or dad's like, hey, let's go outside and throw the ball. And it's obviously much harder in real life. And kids can get discouraged really frequently and it can cause them to be tempted to try fewer things. And then another thing that we see is, is really impacted by technology and social media is sleep. So kids are struggling to have that period of time before they fall asleep where they just sort of have to lay there and let their body relax and let their thoughts go where they may. And kids are really tempted to have the TV on, to be flipping in their phones right up to the moment that their eyes are closing. But the nature of technology is that it does keep your brain really stimulated and awake. So kids are getting less and less sleep. And also kids have that fear of missing out. What if somebody posts something on Instagram while I'm sleeping and I don't have access to it? So they're leaving their their alarms on so they can hear if there's a new notification. And all of that is impacting their like circadian rhythm and their um, the, the natural inclination for our body to move. Yes, and I would like to add that these problems are not unique to children, that they all apply to adults as well. So I know Mm. we're talking about children here, but I would urge people to think, and I have to catch myself as well when I'm there looking at WhatsApp for the 50th time that day and thinking, oh my goodness, you have to put your phone down from time to time. And I think for adults, the first step is being aware of it. Okay. Well, and also we have the excuse of like, we're running a business or we're trying to stay on top of news. You know, at least especially here in the States, there's so much news all the time. And I know that I give myself that excuse of like, I just have to see what's happening with, you know, the Democratic National Convention. Like I have a really good reason to be on technology right now or I'm responding to clients. And it's really important for us to put those boundaries and prioritize our physical health by getting the exercise, stepping away from the technology and making sure that we're engaged with our families. And it's super hard because our brain is is impacted by this too. And I, I say to my clients, I'm like, I'm a 43-year-old woman with a fully developed brain who really does struggle sometimes to set my phone down. I can't even imagine the pull that it has on a 12-year-old child's brain. 
Absolutely. So as parents, what advice are you going to give us? How are you going to help us? So there's a couple things. I think that one of the things that parents has to do have to do is ex- really accept the fact that you're not going to know everything about technology. Like you're not going to necessarily be able to keep up with all the apps that your kids are part of. You're not going to be able to anticipate every inappropriate image that cr- comes across your child's phone. But not getting into a place where you feel very like helpless and hopeless about it and just have the inclination to be like, oh, I can't keep up. It's just out of my hands. I'm just going to cross my fingers and hope that the values I've imparted on my kids are going to kick in. Kids do better when they know they're being supervised, even if it's imperfect. So cultivating the um, tradition or the policy in your home that parents are going to have access to that technology. They're going to look into your Instagram. They're going to pick up your phone and look at your search history There's going to be limits that you impart on them when it comes to the time that technology is shut down, or you're going to double check to make sure that they're maintaining your standards for behavior online. And it can be small things from texting people too much and being a nuisance to big things like what images are you putting out there that could be impacting your reputation. So parents recognizing you're not going to keep up with it, but keeping a hand in it, staying informed, having that presence is super beneficial to kids. So that's one thing. Another thing is that I really encourage parents to take advantage of the technology that's out there that helps parents monitor technology. And there's times when I work with families where the technology usage in their family seems to have sort of gotten out of control. There might be some power struggles. There might be some sneaky behavior. And It's almost as though parents feel that if they use some of the parent controls or technology like the Circle or some of the apps that we have out there like Bark and RPACT, that somehow that's like admitting defeat or because they would use those resources, it means that they're somehow slacking or not an attentive enough parent. Whereas I look at it as there's tools out there. Like, let's not make it harder than it has to be. So using screen time on your child's iPhone to limit their exposure to certain apps, um, you know, protecting them against adult material, making sure that the internet access to your child's devices just turn off at a certain time of night. Like using those really concrete, having those concrete boundaries and just taking the power struggle out of it really can help protect the parent-child relationship and just make it sort of a matter-of-fact thing. Whereas when we don't use those resources, then oftentimes kids feel that parents' rules are very arbitrary. And, and sometimes they can be. You know, a parent comes home from the store, they see their child sitting on the couch, and they're looking at their phone, and they feel this surge of irritation of like, here, I just did the shopping, and I'm bringing in all these bags, and you're just sitting on the couch doing nothing. When in reality, they might have been on it for five minutes. And here you are, like, you need to get off your phone and you need to be done with this. And then they feel very victimized. They feel misunderstood. Now we're in a power struggle. So I really want parents to take advantage of the tools out there and understand if you're going to invest in purchasing a new Chromebook or buying that iPhone or getting those, you know, earbuds, go ahead and take the extra step of purchasing the tools that will benefit your kids and help 
moderate, moderate usage be easier to enforce. Fabulous advice. And I would say we have a Nintendo Switch. My kids love their Nintendo Switch. Mm-hmm. But as a mother of four, I don't want to be policing their their usage. I want them to be doing that because that makes my life so much more easier. And when mm-hmm. we have that ability to say, you can have an hour here, and then it just turns off automatically. And they know it's coming. It has a little flash which says you've got five yep. minutes. So there's no argument because they just know that those are the rules and that's what they're allowed. And it's just super easy. Whereas our iPad doesn't have that same same ability. It doesn't just turn itself off. So although they can check, the younger ones use it. And then I have to go and check, which I don't really want to do. So I think, you know, there's that benefit as well. Yeah, and it's really helps kids learn how to budget their time. So one of the things with YouTube, when kids have unlimited access or they just have a lot of time, even if it's not unlimited, is, you know, typically we start off looking at the things we're most interested in. And then we have extra time. So we stray into other categories. And pretty soon we can go down this rabbit hole of going through video after video and having more likelihood of coming across content that really isn't appropriate or isn't of interest and they're just wasting time. So when you have a limit and kids prioritize looking at, you know, a video of your their favorite TV show, or maybe they want to see, I like to look at certain interviews with celebrities or leaders that I find inspiring. And so if I have time to go and look at YouTube, I'm going to focus my attention on things that really matter versus just going and having it be meaningless scrolling. And so having kids be able to budget their time and then handle the frustration that comes with that moment when their technology is done. I mean, that really can teach kids how to manage their emotions when they have to give themselves a little pep talk, like, okay, I've only got five more minutes. You know, let me start to think about, you know, the next activity or I'm, I'm going to do, or just have that flare up of, of annoyance or frustration or even like sadness but get through it and see they can manage it versus expecting the parent to do that monitoring and then coach them through the coping that they need to transition away. Well, that's an interesting point. I find that sometimes my children watch cartoons and then, you know, they know how many they're allowed to watch and then they stop. But I do find that afterwards their emotions tend to be far more volatile than normal. Do you have any tips for that? Well, some of that is recognizing that if the transition for kids is really hard, as the adults in their life, we have to think about what's easier on them. So, for example, there's sometimes parents will say, okay, well, you are allotted an hour a day or two hours a day. And they'll say, why don't you have an hour in the morning and then an hour later on in the afternoon? But then the kids are transitioning twice. And so that's putting two stressful points in their day. Whereas other kids, they might have that hour or two hours and you tell the kids, okay, well, we're not going to use technology till a certain time and you go ahead and enjoy it for your allotted time and then be done and transition away. And that transition only happens once. Another thing is if kids have an outburst or they're showing that the technology time just isn't fun. And where I see that most is with video games. If kids will get on a video game, maybe they'll be there with some friends, you know, they'll be communicating over the headset The game isn't going the way they want. So kids are raging, they're crying, they're yelling, they're maybe saying ugly things to their friends, and parents will not set the stage that, okay, 
You get to use technology if you're using it appropriately. You yelling at your friends over the headset isn't you using it appropriately, so you need to take a break. It's really important that parents support kids in being able to manage their temper. And so some for some kids, they can handle it for 15 minutes and then their emotions get the best of them. So maybe that's what they can tolerate is they start off at 15 minutes and then as they get older and more mature and understand that if you want to have access to this fun thing, you need to do a good job regulating your emotions, then they'll be motivated hopefully to work that out. Whereas there's a lot of times parents will say, all right, you can have that hour. And no matter how the child conducts themselves, parents are still allowing that hour and kids are just raging during that hour and then they get off and they're super irritable because it didn't go the way they want and parents aren't um, setting that setting that's the stage for them to have it be a successful interaction. Okay and do you have any concrete limits that you recommend for children? Well so a lot of it is not so much the time or the number of minutes it has to do with the quality of the um the technology that they have access to. So having your child look up videos on how to be a good, you know, fisherman, and they're looking at different fishing poles, and they're looking at what bait you would use, and then they're, you know, getting that information so that when you guys go camping in a couple weeks, they're going to have a really good idea of what to do. It's not the same as scrolling through a bunch of really goofy videos on YouTube where people are playing horrible pranks on each other and using foul language. Like those are not the same technology experience. So some of it is helping your kids understand silly videos are fun. It's okay to watch them sometimes. But in order for you to have more access to technology, I do need to see that you're using it in a way that sort of enriches your experience and broadens your world. So that's some of it. And if kids are watching questionable material, if parents are watching it with them, and can explain some of the more emotional nuances or talk about the broader impact on how they think. You know, like I'll, I'll watch TV with my kids and there'll be something on there that is, I don't know, a statement that's vaguely intolerant or there'll be a relationship dynamic that maybe is less than healthy. And it gives me an opportunity to communicate and we can have a nice conversation. That kind of tech time can be really meaningful for kids. But generally, the younger the child is, the less tech time you want them to have. If they're you know, under two years old, the technology exposure should primarily be limited to video, like FaceTime interactions with family members where they can um, interact with, let's say, a grandparent and they can read a story to your child or make funny faces or you know, they can see the movement and have the real life interaction. And then as kids get a little older and they get into preschool age, you would want to expose them only to um, educational material, you know, whether it's exposing them to literacy activity or some social and emotional content, like that would be preferred. And really social media, so things like Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, that's something you really wouldn't want to see till kids are in middle school, so maybe 12, 13 and up. And even some of the programs or some of the games like Roblox, where kids who are seven, eight years old really love those games, but parents have to be mindful about the fact that their kids have access to chat features, 
can friend people that they don't know in real life, that there is a lot of inappropriate content. So they're going to have to do a lot of education with kids about what to do if you see something, because your kids are going to see some inappropriate content, even if you really work hard to only have them be in front of material that seems age appropriate, because there's just a lot of really terrible people out there who will try to sneak in inappropriate content to really young audiences. Um, So the last thing I want to say about this topic is that technology time should be put in context of the kid's overall day. So for example, my son is 13. So for him, if he has a day where he gets up, he does a couple chores, he reads for a little while, he takes the dog out, he goes outside and plays with the neighbor and plays basketball for a bit, he's cheerful, he's engaged, he helped me bring in the groceries, he had a healthy lunch. If he, if it gets to 7 o'clock at night and he just kind of goes bonkers on it for two or three hours when he's had a really productive, engaged day, that's not the same as having three hours of exposure when he slept till 1 o'clock. And then got up and he was a grouchy, in a grouchy mood. He was really dismissive when his sister wanted to have a conversation with him. He moaned and groaned about having to walk the dog. He didn't do anything with his body that day as far as getting exercise. That two or three hours is a very different context when you look at it like that. So just keep in mind that it's not necessarily about the number of minutes. It's about your child's overall quality of interaction throughout their day and whether or not they're engaged and connected to the outside world. Fabulous. And as you were talking about younger children, it reminded me in the UK, we have this fabulous um, channel called CBBS and it's very educational. And I remember my children watching it or my oldest son watching it when he was little and he would look behind the television screen as if he expected these little puppets to appear. He thought they were Mm -hmm. hiding behind the television screen and he would be like, where are they? Yeah. And, and, you know, you see kids and they are watching TV shows like that and they're dancing around to the music and they're imitating some of the words and they're just really, you know, they're excited to tell you about it. Like that type of technology is very different than a kid sitting on the couch with an iPad, you know, five inches from their face. It's a solitary activity. They're scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. You have no idea what they're looking at. And I do want to say that kids do not understand when they see something inappropriate. So I recently was working with a client who was about eight years old and he very interested in technology. And we had a conversation about, you know, what is appropriate things to look at? Have you ever seen anything that isn't appropriate and isn't meant for a nine-year-old? And he was like, no, I know what that looks like. I know to turn it off or to tell mom and dad. So I asked him, can I look at your iPad? Can you show me the things that you really enjoy looking at. And he absolutely, he pulls it out and it was video after video of content that was probably more appropriate for a 16 year old. And he just had no idea. And I think there was nuances to it that he really didn't understand, but it still was impacting his brain. It was still being exposed to him. This content that was much older, used language that was older, had uh, you know sexual innuendo And he just had no idea. So we can't really trust that kids are going to be able to look at information online and inherently know, oh, this isn't for me. They they just kind of go with what's in front of them and they become desensitized to content 
and, and it just they're just not mature enough to be to have perspective about what's age appropriate. Absolutely. Just in the same way that they wouldn't understand before we've taught them that cars are dangerous if you walk out in front of them. Mm-hmm. And so they just it's a lack of understanding of the world. Thank you so much for coming and chatting to us. Do you have any last words of wisdom for us? I think the last thing I'd like to share is that parents sometimes have the inclination to, they'll expect their kids to be able to self-monitor. And so they'll be frustrated when their child can't, doesn't notice time passing. And, or they, they feel like, okay, well, in order for you to be able to have a cell phone, you need to be able to manage this yourself. And I just like to say that oftentimes that's not developmentally appropriate for kids. Like they really do need us to give them those cues, whether it's using a timer, whether it's, like you said, you give your kids a limit as far as this is the number of videos you can watch before you're all done. And so it's really important that we don't put kids in a position where we're expecting something of them that's not developmentally appropriate. And for kids to be able to reason and assess the situation and not get pulled into technology isn't really fair. And so we could be setting them up for failure. So it's really important that parents really have a hand in teaching them the different strategies to manage their time and be aware of what the influence of advertising is, um, understand what implicit messages are being sent to us, making sure that they have exposure to a breadth of content. Like one of the things I suggested recently to parents was go into your kid's Instagram and have them become a fan of things that are of value to you. Like my kids, I go in there and I have them follow pages of, you know, political leaders who are inspiring or um, celebrities who have a positive body image, you know, just news sites that I feel have good resources behind what they're saying. Like, you have to recognize that your kids are going to be very influenced by what they're exposed to. But you as a parent have the ability to tailor what they're exposed to. Even if they're still exposed to inappropriate things, you can work pretty hard to make sure that they have some balance to that. And so my kids, I'm like, you know what? You have to follow Barack Obama. You just have to. And they're like, okay, you know, okay. And then they tell me about it. They'll say, oh, I saw that he gave this speech or, or whatever. And I like to think that those pushes that I give them broaden their world and make their time on technology more valuable versus just having the negatives. Fabulous. Thank you so much for your time. And I'm just on the brink of thinking that my oldest son is getting ready for his first mobile phone. We'll see if he actually goes back to school this year or not. But it's, it feels like a very daunting thing for me in a sort of new era that we're moving into, those away from the little children to the older children. So you've given me some confidence and I'm very grateful. Now, where can people find out more about you? So there's two ways. Um, I am a child and adolescent therapist based out of North Carolina, and I have a therapy webpage called Charlotte Parent Coaching. So www.charlotteparentcoaching.com. But I also have a podcast, it's a parenting podcast called One Day You'll Thank Me. And I w- was lucky enough to have you as a guest. And so you're going to be coming on in a couple of weeks when I get our episode edited. And so that is a great way for people to get access to some parenting strategies, the the um, 
episodes are meant to be very practical and filled with information. And so that's, once again, one day you'll thank me. And you can also go to my Dr. Tara Egan website, which is www.drtaraegan.com. And that gives additional information about the books that I've written, some of the webinars that I offer, um, and more information about the podcast. Fabulous. Thank you once again for coming and joining us. So there you have it. Thank you so much, Tara, for coming and talking to us. Now, remember to keep an eye out for the Easy Family Health Boost that you can sign up to coming soon. And if you have a friend who would enjoy and benefit from this podcast, I would be super grateful if you could share it with them. Think how much you will be helping them if you do that. Thank you and see you next week. Goodbye. you for listening. If you found the podcast helpful, I really appreciate it if you share it with any of your friends who are interested, which helps me to get the word out. And just a reminder, if you want to sign up to the Healthy Family Eating Systems, where I explain how easy my system is for providing healthy foods for my family, you can grab that at drorlina.com healthy family meal plan with a little dash in between. And if you're interested in my new program, Fit and Fabulous Family, it's launching in August. Please email me at orlina at drorlina.com to arrange a time to chat. Thank you so much and have an amazing week. I will be back again next week. Goodbye.